My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Mike DeChocho. He's the founder of Social Chameleon, a podcast production, distribution, and content company. He's also the host of Miked Up. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Basha, thank you so much. Awesome job with the intro. Looking forward to this conversation. Likewise, I think it's going to be a great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your podcasts, your challenges, and your goals. I'm sure we'll get a lot of great takeaways from that. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah. So before I got into entrepreneurship, my background was really in sales, which is funny because if you knew me when I was a kid and growing up, you wouldn't think this guy is going to be a salesman. I mean, I was a drummer in rock and roll bands from fifth grade all the way up through my mid twenties playing at every uh, club and bar in the Buffalo area. Um, I also loved, you know, creating content before we called it that. So back in, uh, I'm going to sound old now, I'm 37 years old. So when I was a kid, we were doing like the shoulder camera, the, the VHS tape camera. So my brother and I and our friends, we were making movies like everyone else is playing football on the field. And we're over here like writing screenplays and making movies and YouTube didn't even exist yet. So literally like we would get a bunch of our friends together and, and watch it at their parents' house. Like that's kind of the creative side of me when I was growing up. And then musically, obviously, there's a lot of creativity. So to, to, to project myself into being like in corporate sales, wasn't something that I, I ever thought was in the cards, but what ended up happening is I was working at a music store. I was, uh, I was about 20, 21, you know, um, just, just maybe right after college, somewhere around those 20, maybe I was 23 and I was working at a music store and learning the sales game a little bit, learning like people would come in and I'd present to them, you know, um, high ticket items. We're talking guitars, amps, bass guitars, drum sets, keyboards and I had to know all of that. Now I knew mostly drums, but after I worked there over a year, I knew more about guitars and pickups and acoustics and all kinds of cool stuff. Um so that got me like comfortable talking to people and doing a sales presentation. Then after that job, I ended up working for Sleep Number, which is really where kind of my business um centric, you know, version of myself, I guess you can say, really was born because at that company um, it, I had to learn like an official sales process. Like somebody comes in the doors, we do a discovery phase, you know, and that actually walked me through it. Um, and at first I didn't really like that because it, I felt like I'm not a robot. I don't want to do things exactly the same way everybody else does it. Like I want to talk to someone. And, and then I realized like, I, I'm a big sports fan. So as you can see, I got a Buffalo Bills head on. Like for Josh Allen to be successful, he still has a playbook. They have plays that they design. He's still himself. He's going to bring his excellence to the game different than a diff another quarterback would, but he's found the playbook. So at that next job, I learned the playbook as far as how to really have a great sales conversation. And over time, I got more and more confident closing deals. And I was really learning all these great business, um, you know, what, what really built me into this, the salesperson. And then I started to learn business things like networking, and prospecting and writing the thank you cards and considering my customers clients, 
I didn't even like to call them customers because to me, that's just like you can go to a store, you buy something, you're a customer. This was not transactional selling. It was, you know, I'd, be, I'd spend an hour or two, sometimes three hours with a couple. And I was really feeling, you know, solving solutions. And to me, that's really when the sales thing, the light bulb went off. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so there's this negative perception of what a salesperson is. And I don't consider myself that like people come in, they have, you know, they went through a car accident or husband and wife cannot um, agree on a bed because they're so different. And so sleep number had all these great solutions. And I was able to like, listen to their story and find them the right fit. And then that in exchange for a dollar amount, that's what sales is. Right. So mm -hmm. I learned those practices. Then I got recruited into insurance, which is a whole different game. Cause now it's like, I, I'm going door to door phone call to phone call, building up my, um, my book of business and getting a ton of referrals. Um, I wrote, you know, a lot of policies and auto home and life insurance over the next four years, four to five years. And that's when I, you know, I got married and, um, my daughter was born and really was taking care of the family. I was the breadwinner in the family. And, you know, I learned that kind of that hustle, that hustle mentality. And I was reading a lot of books and I was tuning in the podcast. Anytime I was driving to a meeting, um, a client appointment, prospecting, networking event. I was, I love music, as you know, as a musician, but I started listening to podcasts in the car and it completely changed the way I thought. It changed my, the way that I kind of emoted energy, um, mm -hmm. uh, emitted energy. I think that's the right word, but, but you get the point. Like it, it started to change the way I was thinking about business and going about myself as well. And so early on, I fell in love with podcasts because I went through school, I had my bachelor's degree, all this stuff, like, I was a pretty good student, you know, showed up on time, put in the work, you know, was a good kid. But what I learned in podcasting in just a few years, taught me way more life, valuable lessons than I actually learned in the classroom. So I was hooked. Um, and that's kind of what planted the seed for me to get into podcasting later in life. Um, and then I ended up going back to sleep number after I did the insurance game as a store manager for over a year. And I did very mm -hmm. well there. Um, broke a ton of records and had like a pro bowl season, if you will, uh, to keep the sports analogies going. And then I, um, I was going through a divorce at that time. And the reason I bring that up into the story is I had kind of like a, I was 31 and I, I felt like I had a super early midlife crisis. Like when the divorce happened, I started to question like who, was I doing all this stuff for? Like I, I was doing well in business, but was I really personally fulfilled? And I was doing everything was like for the family and which is fine, which is great. But I started to like wonder who Mike was. Like what happened to that kid, that kid with the dream, that kid with that energy, that creative kid, what happened to him? And what ha happened to, you know, the guy driving around in the car, listening to Grant Cardone and Ed Milat and Lewis House with this, this dream that I eventually start something. Why is he being suppressed? So I remember when I moved out and into my new apartment at the time, this is 2017. I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, why not you? Like all these other guys you're listening to on their podcast, they started from nowhere. They, they had crash and burn moments. They were you know, you hear E.T. Eric Thomas was he was homeless at one point. Now he's speaking at colleges, universities, these business meetings. He's a fantastic human being. And like he was literally homeless at one point in his life. So why not me? I wasn't in that even rough shape. It was just kind of I was mentally and kind of kind of beat down by the whole situation of life I was going through. 
And so I said, I'm going to start something really cool that I'm excited about that I can help people out. So I launched Social Chameleon in 2017. And originally the concept was more of like a media and marketing company to help small businesses in Buffalo. Cause we have a lot of great, like mom and pop shops here, but they didn't have like a Facebook page to represent them or a really good landing page for their website or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That was properly functioning and connected. Um, and a lot of times I'd go into a mom and pop shop and start the conversation. And they were looking at me like I had three heads, like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about SEO. So I had to really kind of like break it down and, and, I, I was familiar with that because when I talked insurance, like life insurance policy, nobody wanted to even talk about it. So I knew like there's got to be a creative way for me to position this to, to make it make sense and easy to understand. So I did pretty well. Um, but I started to realize that I created this company thinking, what do pe- what do these businesses want? And not really like if I could do anything, what would I do? And then one of my um, friends, I be- became really close friends with a guy out in Rochester, Dave Mamano, who had a really successful podcast for, for he was only a couple of years in and had like 25,000 downloads really early on in the game, which, you know, is pretty solid to start with. And uh, he was looking for a new producer, a new person to run the show, uh, handle all the back end and editing and distribution. And so I, I taught myself, I had no idea what I was doing. It was something I learned and watched a ton of online videos. And then um, after I did his show for about 50 episodes, I had this heart tug, this God moment where I felt kind of pulled back. And it was like, you can do this for yourself. And there's a story for you to tell. And, and I very much felt like it was my purpose in that moment to start my own show and share my story and even go through some of my struggles and then bring other entrepreneurs on my show that could talk through their walk in life and inspire people to level up. And so my, my mission was to inspire people to be brave and bold in pursuit of their dreams was really the first vision of Miked Up. And I launched it November 4th, 2019. I'll always remember the date. A friend of mine, Jackie Roach was my first guest. I had her on because she inspired me to finally do it. I was meeting with her for coffee, helping clients out. She's like, dude, you're helping everybody else, but yourself, like you want to do this show, go and do it. So two weeks later, I was like, I needed the kick in the butt. I needed someone to tell me I can't do it. So then I'm going to go and freaking do it. Right. And so I launched Mike up. I invited her on and I've done it 183 weeks every Monday since then. Haven't missed a week. Very proud of the consistency on it. And that's what helped me build a successful show to date. And um, one month after I launched Mike up, one of my existing clients at the time reached out and they saw my email launch of Mike up and they're like, Oh, we didn't know you did podcasting too. Like our, our business wants to do that. Our board of directors has been talking about it for a while. Everybody's kind of like not sure how to get started, which was my, my foot in the door. So I helped them launch their podcast. I still have that client today, four years later, whatever it's been, five years later, something like that. Um, and that was really the beginning of it. And then every month I'd add another client, two, three, four clients. Um, I've launched dozens of podcasts now into 2023 as we record this. 10x the business 2022 is the best year financially um we're looking to go from six figures to seven in the very near future we already hit uh that first milestone so that's kind of the story i know that was really long-winded but it gives you the kind of the trajectory of where i started to where i'm at today the full the full everything all of the details but i love it that's a beautiful story and it's amazing just 
at least from how you were telling it, watching how like every every step of the way, you were given something that's giving you what's it, what's the word fuel to the Mo- next momentum. Step. Yeah, Mo- momentum. I, yeah, <laughs> I have to give credit to my team too. I've I brought on a team. Um, I've editors now, audio video editors, Randall, Todd, fantastic, like professionals. They know even more than I do when it comes to the technicalities of editing because they live and breathe it every day. Um, Anne Marie, I brought on is uh, to, to hold down our PR team um, and she's really doing a great job. And then myself, I still am very much in the business and working on it at the same time. Um, Mic'd up is my baby. This is fun. I would do this, you know, whether it monetized or not, I just absolutely love what I do. Um, but in a really cool way, my passion for podcasting turned into a business that now I don't need to work for corporate America. I was able to quit that job, walk away from it, um, and create a nice, you know, a nice passion fueled business that's actually monetizing. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. So you started this in 2019. It's 2023 now. I'm sure that you've learned a lot of lessons along the way, but what is the number one thing that you wish that you had known when you first started that you know now? For the podcast or for my business? For the business or, or the podcast. You can answer both. Yeah. So the, the first most important thing. So I started Social Chameleon in 2017. And really since then, the most important thing I would say is to get mentors in your life. Um, people who you know are qualified. Don't Don't hire a coach that's like an Instagram coach, but they've never built a business successfully themselves. So I work with people who've done where I'm looking to go. They're there and further ahead. So always like reach into your network of people who are where you, you want to be hanging out. Um, and it is super important to surround yourself by positive minded people in a mastermind group that has helped me tremendously. Like, you know, a lot of times uh, our friends can be people that we might want to watch the game with, but they're not really resonating with our mm-hmm. um where we want to be in life as far as our goals, maybe that's fitness, health, business. And so we kind of, you got to be smart to limit those interactions to be like, okay, happy to hang out, but like get, get yourself and hanging out more with the people who are going to bring you up and continue to, to level that up. Like I'm not hanging out with the same people I hung out with in 2017, not to sound like a jerk or like mean or anything, but I continue to find people who I can bring value to and they bring value to me. And that should keep changing. Like I remember um, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, I haven't seen him in like 15 years invited me out for a drink. And I was like, okay, cool. I haven't seen him in a while. I don't really drink, but I'll go, I'll hang out and I'll talk to him. Literally the whole time he was talking about things from high school, this and that that happened in high school. And it was very weird because it's like, they're still living in the past. It's like 15, 20 years have gone by and they're still living off of those things we did, which were cool and fun, but man, like you got to get some new fresh things that you, <laughs> that you can be excited about and like some cool stuff that you can get jazzed up about today or what are you doing tomorrow? Um, so I would say like to summarize that people are super important. Your team members build a strong team around you. I don't know any successful person who's ever done it alone. Even if they're a solopreneur, they got a family, they got a, somebody who's coaching them, somebody who, you know, even if it's, um, if you can't afford a coach, like if you're an early entrepreneur and you're like, yeah, Mike, that's great. But like every coach wants to charge 500 bucks, sometimes thousands of dollars a month. Well, I got a whole stack of books right here. Those are my mentors before I could afford an actual one-on-one mentor. Um, 
the only thing that I don't like about books is they don't ask, answer your questions. <laughs> so if you're reading yeah. something and you want more or you, you want to hit on a point, that's what a mentor can do. You can download all that information, but then you can ask them and they can follow up with that. Um, so I'd say that's the number one thing. Always be learning, continue to grow. Don't be in the same spot 12 months later. Um, there's going to be growth in different ways. And I'd say if I could um, teach myself anything in podcasting, it's a great question. You know, um, I've, I've pretty much modeled myself after like the shows I really liked. I tried not to be a copycat, but like I see things I like and I go and figure out how I can achieve those. Um, I would say really important about the structure of a show, like having the first few even seconds to first minute be really strong. So I do like a coming up on mic'd up and then I play like the highlight clip, make sure that it's something that um, I feel is going to bring the most value to the audience. That's the uh, mic'd up audience, right? Early entrepreneurs, startups, um, people that are looking to level up in life. How, what are they going to get from that first clip of the show? And then from there, I try to short, I shorten up my intro a lot. Um, it went from like a minute down to like, I think it's maybe 20 seconds. And then uh, bringing the guests on, I'll say the other thing I learned is in the early days, I was reading off a sheet of paper. I was reading the guest bio. And then I realized very quickly, uh, the guest is, it's uncomfortable. It's like awkward for them to sit there through this long winded bio. And then who the heck wants to really sit there and listen to it while you're driving in your car? You're like, okay, Mike, spit out the bio. So what I did is when someone sends me their bio, I turn it into like, uh, like a, like a pitch for that person. Like, all right, here, you know, we got Basha and she's, you know, X, Y, Z, and she achieved this and she's got this beautiful show. Welcome to the show. And then I bring you on almost like it's late night, like picture the lights flashing. So I've done that and guests love it. They're always like, man, you should be my pitch, man. I want to bring you around everywhere when I bring <laughs> them on the show. And then like all that deep information that I didn't read the whole three paragraph bio, I turn that into the questions. And then I build a, um, a skeleton, I call it, of like 12, 10 to 12 questions that really are kind of like the, the framework. So then when I'm talking to someone, meet, many times I'm meeting these entrepreneurs, I'm interviewing for the first time, and I know they don't have a ton of time and they've done a lot of shows themselves. So I'm bringing the energy. I want them to feel like this is the best show I've ever been on. Like Mike's, Mike's got it. He's taking care of me. Um, and the best feeling of doing the show is at the very end, like after we're done recording, someone will tell me like that experience was really cool. It was a lot of fun. You're a great interviewer. Uh, that's the best thing I could hear even more than like a new client because I know it's, um, I put so much heart and soul into preparing and doing a good job. So it feels cool when someone acknowledges it. Um, but yeah, the framework is really designed. So if there's ever a moment in conversation where we get a little bit off track, maybe someone's down like a, a weird story that was funny, but now it's like, we got to bring them back in. Mm -hmm. It's good to have the questions to kind of know where we want to go next. But very much if someone brings something to the table that I didn't expect we're going to talk about, but it's gold and I know it's beneficial to my audience, we'll hang on that a little bit longer. And sometimes I don't get to the questions, but it's better to be prepared like Josh Allen with the playbook, have 80 plays prepared. They only run 72. Who cares about the eight that didn't get run? If you win the game, that's all that matters. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I usually, I have a, I have a list of questions right next yeah. to me, but 
you know, and then you got like, you got me on the show, and I don't I don't stop talking. You don't even get a chance <laughs> to ask a question. Listen, the, the whole point of this podcast is for you to come on and share your story, and that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. So don't apologize for it. <laughs> But I, let's let's get back on track. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to know what is what are some of your biggest challenges in your business today? I would say I'm always looking to put money back into the business. So anytime we get ahead, I invest it back into more team members, marketing. Um, so it always does feel like we're kind of financially in the same spot, even though we're not. Like the more I, I went from literally having five hundred dollars in recurring revenue to you know, over $10,000 and made that 10 X jump that I told you about. Um, but it still felt like I was in the same boat because you're the bigger you get, you always feel like the bigger, the company, more problems, more, more money, more problems kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of happens where it's like, um, you, you, you stay lean in the early years cause you just keep reinvesting it back. So some of the challenges are like, I thought after working as hard as I do for like five years that I'd be able to have a little bit more of that mental break right now, but I still feel like I'm in the early stages of blowing the company up to its massive success level. Um, at some point, I know I'll be able to take and enjoy some time off. Um, what I will tell you is that's a challenge, but I also... Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy what I do. So I, when I work like a 12 or 15 hour day, I don't feel like, like it goes by fast. It doesn't feel like this long drunk. drunk. I, I always feel like, I know I need to sleep. It's important, but man, I can do one more thing, one more thing. And I kind of keep going like the energizer bunny. Um, so I'd say a challenge is fitting it all in, in a week. I always feel like I'm out of time. So um, I know that like putting some time management structured things in my calendar can help me with that. Um, that's another one of the reasons I have coaches. They're a lot better with, I'm kind of like a, I'm a little bit of like the Tasmanian devil. Like I'm high energy running all over the place. I get an idea. I, I go run with it and people have to kind of like tame me down a little bit to make sure I'm just focusing <laughs> on the one thing that's in front of me. Um, I have a short attention span. Like if something starts to get a little bit boring, I'm like, I got to get on to the next thing. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, that's what businesses need that they need that idea person, that person who's going to take a lot of action and go and just like blow it up to the, to the world. But then you also need people in your organization that's a little bit more um, methodical and maybe, you know, there's gotta be people that are smarter than you and your organization, or you're, you're not um, hiring the right people. So I would say that it's always a challenge to try to find the right people and, and mm -hmm. put it, put the organization together in the right way. Um, but what I was trying to get back to is the fact that all that hard work and everything allows me to take time off when I want to. That's the benefit of having my own company is I make my own schedule. So weekends, um, I have a beautiful eight-year-old daughter, Isabel, and, um, she's my, you know, we're, we're, she's my sidekick, right? So I just, I, I, um, everything I do is to help benefit her in some way, right? So, um, when I'm able to work hard all week, week, then on the weekend, I get to spend with her. Right. So that's my thing. And I turn off, like I, sometimes I will check, you know, at the end of every day, I'm checking my email. I don't go to bed until everybody's responded to. Um, but I'm learning to delegate a lot more. So things can get done when I'm enjoying time with family and it's not like the business stops. It can still run. Um, and just putting the right people in place so I can spend time. And then it's all this year, the new focus has been 
doing that same thing for my team. So a lot of times I'll see like a file come through at three o'clock on a Saturday, like three in the morning. I'm like, Randall, like, I want you to take, like, you should be off right now. Like, let's get this done on Friday so you can enjoy your weekend. And if it's a holiday weekend, especially tell everybody, like, I'm going to be mad if I see an email come through. Like, I want you to be with your family. So it's easier said than done. Things need to happen. Like if the work isn't done, we can't just take time off. You need to get it done first. But my goal is to get things done. That's a challenge. More, let's call it early. Like in get it done in early, the allotted work hours. <laughs> right, right. On a, on a reasonable schedule so we can all sleep and we can all spend time with our family. So that's really the 2023 vision is improving the, the work-life balance. Absolutely. But I think that that's a great vision for, for 2023. And I'm, it's always nice to see an employer who wants their employees to implement it and doesn't expect them to be at their beck and call 24 seven. Right. And it's definitely going to reward you later down the line too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the podcast. I, first of all, I love that you, I can see how passionate you are about what you do and how much you love it and how you're, you're able to go and create like you did as a kid. So what kinds of things do you talk about on Mike Dub? Yeah, it's a, a lot of stories. It gets really personal. It's a lot of um, the, the saying things happen for you and not to you is something I learned from Ed Milad on his show. And that comes up quite a bit on Mike Dub. Um, people who have these, these maybe horrendous stories, whether it's health, family member passing away, um, a, a sick child. I've had people on with different situations personally, health-wise, and we, we talk about the struggle and the challenge and how they got through it. And really, it's in, inspiring stories, again, to help uplift people. Um, it's really designed to energize. And the I call them mic drop moments whenever somebody says something that's just so good. I, I, I pause and I say, that's a mic drop moment. We usually use those for like the social media clips too, because they're really good, sound bites and everything. And um, so those moments aren't just to be great content. It's really designed for people to walk away with some applicable things that they can do in their own life. So like if I'm interviewing you and you got through this crazy story and I'm inspired by it, it's like, okay, our audience can take this and maybe they don't have a health struggle, but now they're doing like the different discipline things that you just mentioned you do in your day that are improving your quality of life and your health. And they can apply that to themselves. Right. Um, I just interviewed Howard P., um, he goes by Howard P. He's the uh, co-founder of uh, Mighty Yum, which is a, um, you, you've heard of Lunchables. Uh, so it's basically healthy Lunchables that are all plant-based for kids. And they got fun packaging and there's characters and there's really cool stuff on the, on the packaging. But it's, um, they taste great and they're healthy and they, you know, they're not packed with a lot of sodium and added sugars and preservatives and stuff like that. So that's an entrepreneur that I would have on mic up because they have a really cool story, an entrepreneurial journey that he's had multiple successes and situations where he's lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and bounced back up. Um, Howard, for example, went from 20,000 in sales to over a hundred million. So I picked his brain on like how he got there, what kind of framework did he build? Um, some key you know, factors into scaling a business. I mean, this is a person who's done it. So that's why I'm picking, I'm picking the brains of people who've actually done, not just talk about doing it. So that's the kind of stuff we talk about on Mike Dup. Um, 
I really like to bring people in from all different walks. So I've had Olympians on, uh, startup entrepreneurs. I've had um, kids that are entrepreneurs. I've had, there's one girl at the beginning of COVID. Um, her mom wrote a book and she was, she was kind of the star of the book, right? It's called Being, Being Small Isn't So Bad After All. Lori Orlinsky is the author and Haley's her daughter. Well, Haley was seven years old at the time. And it's a book about like, she was the shortest kid in class, but then the, the book's talking about like, well, when it rains, you're the last one to get wet. Or when you're on the playground, nobody can fit in that little small part of the tree fort, but you can, you know, um, all kinds of like silly things like that about benefits of actually being short. So it's flipping the child's mentality of being sad about it to kind of like feeling like it's this little superpower. So I always say your shortcoming can become your superpower. Um, the thing in life that really feels like a big drawback can actually be what propels you forward. Um, that's happened with me with my divorce. It allowed me to kind of recreate myself again and go into this. Uh, I love the version of myself now with my, my mindset and mentality that I didn't have before. Now I wouldn't say like, Oh, I'm happy I got divorced or I, I didn't get married with the intention of that. But since it happened and I cannot, I wasn't able to change it. I was, I was able to control me. And it happened for uh, you and not to it ha- you. It happened for me. I actually was on a podcast, a divorce show called the amicable divorce podcast. And the name of the show was how divorce happened for me and not to me. And I, some of my friends texted me like, I can't believe, why would you say that? And I'm like, you got to listen to the show. Like you got to understand what that messaging means. Some people didn't understand what I was talking about. They're like, I don't know if your ex-wife's going to. And I was like, it's not about that. It's about how moving forward that what the situation that happened to me is now fuel for me to do better for myself. Right. So uh, those are the kind of stories we cover on mic'd up. And I'll tell you, like a lot of the people I've had on my show have become friends. I can text them, send them a Christmas card. Um, a lot of times I get cards and cool messages from them. And it's like really cool. You know, Amberly Lagos person that comes to mind. If you know her story, she was in a near death um, motorcycle accident and I uh, was told she'll never walk. Do you know, Amberly? So we've actually been trying to get her on the show. <laughs> so well, Amberly, I'm... if you're listening to this, we've sent you a lot of emails. Please come on. <laughs> well, I, um, I had her on mic'd up and I'm planning on having her on for 2.0. So after I have her on, I will um, get her uh, your information in front of her. So, awesome. and I'm having a great time. So I will speak from my heart and say I had a lot of fun on the I'm show. Glad. But yeah, her, her example, there's another example of like someone who all the doctors told her she'll never walk again. Her leg was, her leg was in such a bad, bad shape after that accident, that motorcycle accident that she'll never walk again. She had 27 procedures and surgeries done and eventually was able to walk again. Now she rides horses, she runs, she's very fit, and she's on stage sharing her uh, true grit and grace story, which is her podcast. So that's the kind of stuff I love to give a voice to. I love it. So as somebody who has been podcasting for a while, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced when it comes to trying to grow your podcast? Yeah, it's definitely um, not something that just by doing it, like, you know, the old field of dreams, if you build it, they will come. I mean, that's not really true with podcasting. Um, I do feel you have to be mindful of the stories that are told on uh, the people you have on. 
Um, I will say some of the challenges are like the bigger the guests, you think the bigger the promotion behind it will be from uh, like their end or their people uh, that follow them are going to start following your show. That does happen. There's some cross pollination that certainly does happen. But what I've noticed is sometimes the larger the guest, they're doing like five to 10 shows a week. So they're not individually going to promote each one. Usually it's not even Mm -hmm. a personal thing. They're just so busy. Where when I have a guest on, it might be like their third time ever on a show ever. And they'll blow it up for like a month that I was unmiked up and they'll like keep reposting it and it'll get a ton of views. So I would say don't always try to chase like the bigger guest. Focus on really good stories. And also the thing with mic'd up, um, I, I believe if my show is a little different format, it, it could grow even quicker. And the reason I believe that is we don't necessarily do like topical conversations like the Will Smith slap a couple of years ago at the Oscars. Like I didn't spend a whole episode talking about it like everybody did the day after to get like a million. I would probably got like 10x views that day, but it that's not like a mic'd up topic. You know what I mean? I went right to my next guest and did my thing. So I feel like if you really focus on like growing the show and the vanity metrics is super important to you. Um, and not even just vanity metrics, but growing it so you can then get sponsors and stuff like that. Um, you have to think about all that stuff, like what kind of topics and what strategies can I do to grow the show? But for me with Mike Up, my particular show is really like, it's important to me, the people I get on, the connections I make. And the way I monetize it personally is a lot of the people I interviewed ended up wanting to start a podcast. And it's like, no surprise who they turn around and call for advice. And then mm-hmm. that advice turns into a professional friendship and business partner, uh, client situation. Um, I look at all my active clients right now that are recurring and they've all come through mic'd up. One came from SEO that's still that they, they've been on for like a really long time, but everybody else like knew of me first. They built, they, they know, like, and trust me first from mic'd up. Um, so it's been a great way for me to get to know people. So I'll tell the audience right now that don't just get discouraged if your first few episodes are getting 10, 15, 25, 30 downloads. Um, you know, if after three years, you're still only getting the same amount, then I would question like, what can you do better and what, what you need to do? Um, but you certainly can scale. I've seen some of the biggest people in business I've worked with. They all started off their first show, you know, might have a hundred downloads and now they're in the top 1% most downloaded shows on the planet. Um, everybody did start somewhere. I remember Ed Milet sharing that when he did his first show with Tony Robbins. Um, I think that was his first podcast guest, not a bad guest to start off with, but he was asking his son, Max, to help him post it on Instagram that he interviewed Tony. And he's Mm -hmm. like, what do I got to do? Like someone told me like hash browns or something. I got to do these hash browns. (laughs) And his kid was like, Max is like hashtags, dad. Yeah. What is that? What do I have to do? So look, I'd start, I'd started literally like, cause he said like everybody posts in the morning. He said, posts like when you're having breakfast, do your first post. Why, why am I posting hash browns? It's a um, super funny story, but it, it just goes to show you, like he's got a top 10 podcast in the world probably now, Ed. And just a few years ago, I remember listening to his first episode. He started, got going, consistent, built his brand, great guests. People respect him. He does a great job on the show. There's a reason that people love going on there because he's a great interviewer. Um, 
and he asks great questions. And so that's kind of like um, when people look up to maybe like the Michael Jordans in their sport, the Tom Brady's. Um, I really like, I look up to guys like, you know, like the Admi Lats or Lewis House has done a nice job with his interviews. Um, and just like, you know, just to follow to see what the, the people are doing the right things. Doesn't mean their style. I'm not replicating their personality. It's, it's just looking to model success. Um, but yeah, I would say, so I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of modeling success. Um, patience is important not to get discouraged after a slow beginning. Um, I told myself when I started mic'd up that I wasn't going to stop until I wanted to, if I chose that, yeah, I think I'm going to move on to a different show or concept, or maybe I'm going to take a break. That's on my terms, but it was never going to be like, because I monetized it. The way I look at it is some people like to golf and they'll go golf in a couple of days a week, or maybe once a week, once every other week. To me, my quote unquote hobby or interest is having these conversations with people and I learn from it. It's, it's super beneficial for me to do the show, builds my network and I've monetized from it through people hiring me. So I would say that's really the focus. And then like when I see a show get a X amount of podcast downloads, that's bigger than usual. That's exciting too, but that's not what gets me as jazzed up, you know? So, um, I, I hope that, you know, people could take something away from that. I would just say like, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons, not just chasing downloads is kind of the summary. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree. I think that's a really good place to leave off Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, if anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, I'm most active on Instagram. And I'm sure that'll be clickable in the show notes. It's at Mike DiCiocio. So it's simply my name. Uh, you'll find me on Facebook there as well, TikTok. But I'm mostly active on Instagram. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too. So if you want to do more of a business connection, that's cool too. And then my podcast is mikeduppodcast.com. And it's M-I-K-E-D uppodcast.com. And if you're interested in our services at Social Chameleon, that is socialchameleon.us. All right. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You did an awesome job. (laughs) Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. 
All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.